Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence, one stripe at a time. Well, hi everybody, Wes McDonald here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of TigerTube. And if you can't see me or my guests, that means you're listening to us in Tiger Paw Radio. So thank you for listening in. I'm really excited today. I've got two guests, which I've known for years in the channel. Uh, they're very closely involved with a lot of the dealers and a lot of the partners and the OEMs and vendors. They really are the premium media people in our space. They report on everything and they investigate everything that's happening in the channel. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you to my guest today. So maybe Patricia Ames, I can get you to introduce yourself first. Well, hello everyone, I'm Patricia Ames. I'm the president of BPO Media, which has a couple of uh, print publications still. Uh, the Imaging Channel, um, which covers the office equipment industry, um, both hardware and software. Then we have another publication called Workflow Magazine, which is, it talks a lot about uh, digital transformation and business process automation. We have a couple of websites, we do custom research, we have one syndicated study a year, which we're fielding right now with the office equipment dealers. And uh, we also have a division that deals with custom marketing. Uh, so that's kind of how our corporate overview looks. West asked me to uh, talk about what makes me cool. Um, <laughs> and I will say that I'm not cool. <laughs> but but um, I do march to the beat of my own drummer. And uh, so it's going to be probably pretty apparent as we go through this um, conversation. Thank you. <laughs> well, that's great. And I appreciate you bringing the full drum kit. And uh, with <laughs> Without further ado, maybe Amy Weiss, you can introduce yourself or audience as well. Sure, I am Amy Weiss and I am glad I don't have to do the company overview because Patricia's already done that very nicely. Um, for all of you who are not on video, you didn't see me nodding emphatically when she said she marched to the beat of her own drummer, but I did. <laughs> um, but we, we, we do that at BPO Media. That's kind of our, our gig is uh, we march to the beat of our own drummers. I have been in, this industry, and I don't even know what we mean when we say this industry, it's just this, it almost needs the hand gesture with it because it's so broad at this point, but I have been in some form of this industry for about 20 years now, so um, I think I'm a lifer, uh, but I've been writing and editing for much longer than that, over 30 years since I was in the womb, obviously because I'm 31. Uh, so yeah, it's been a it's been a long road and it's been a lot of fun. And I think what's really exciting is seeing what's coming now because we've got some interesting stuff ahead of us. Well, that's great. And I appreciate you both being on the show today. And one of the things that I found very cool, actually, you mentioned some of the publications that you do in your workflow uh, magazine, right? You, you guys were doing that before it was even a big thing that you sort of sniffed that one out pretty early, right? Because I can remember when the publication first started and people saying, really, why are they doing that? They're not in that space, are they? Uh, little did we know that uh, this far down the road, as you say, yes, yes, we actually are in this space, right? So <laughs> what well, it means to be an office equipment dealer is certainly different uh, than what it meant when you guys started that publication as well. Yeah, I'll tell you, um, it is officially uh, nine years, right, Amy? said it's really 10 years old because it takes um, uh, at least nine months to really birth a uh, new publication. Uh, so the uh, the uh, seeds of that were growing for quite a while um, with us as we planned and 
executed that launch. Uh, so thinking a decade ago, uh, people did think we were a little crazy, um, but that happens from time to time. But we, you know, we saw this. Uh, it, it, originally, it was about channel convergence, right? Um, but and we knew that the, that direction was going to at least broaden out, if not converge. And we wanted a home for um, both sides to be able to come to. And uh, that's that was really the genesis of Workflow Magazine. Yeah, it, it's really interesting when you think that, you know, obviously what you did, I love Wayne Gretzky's expression when he says you have to go yeah. where the puck is going to be, not where it is, right? That's how, you know, you kind of, you know, you excel, right? So clearly you guys did that. So congratulations on that. Um, we have definitely been living through an interesting couple of years, right? And uh, prior to recording, you know, we were all, you know, sharing some stories about travel and muscle memory for travel and going to shows and events and different things, right? So I wonder before we get, you know, into some of the, the future things, if you can maybe sort of share with me um, some of the lessons learned and some of the things that you've seen uh, that have occurred over the last couple of years. We've gone through some changes that, you know, quite frankly, are, are changes that are affecting the world, right? And uh, Amy, maybe I'll get you to start. Wow. Uh, I mean, we've seen so much, sometimes it's hard to remember. Um, but I think the, the number one lesson that we've learned is that we can do this, whatever this is. Um, we had to, and we as a, as a industry, but also everybody had to rapidly adapt. Um, you know, everybody's seen that that cartoon probably now with the big wrecking ball of COVID-19 coming bashing the wall in on slow plans for digital transformation. Um, we've seen companies make extraordinary adaptions to um, adaptations um, to accommodate what was necessary with the work from home movement. And, you know, it, it, there's been a lot of forces at work um and i think we've come through it really well all things considered it's been a struggle um but i i think we've proven time and again that we're as an industry that we're very adaptable i love i love that answer and uh and i'm with you right because i know that there are those out there that feel uh that the office equipment channel is full of dinosaurs right that we're you know kind of not capable of uh, adapting to change and and then when I look at it myself, I think back to, you know, starting off with uh, typewriters and, you know, then getting into standalone copiers and then, you know, fax machines and, you know, then printers that were attached to the network. Like we've, we've been through all of these changes. And although this one really hit us hard, um, I've experienced the same thing, seeing people successfully navigating, you know, that digital transformation, even if it was a much harder thing to do. Right. And, and what about yourself, Patricia? What kind of, you know, things sort of struck you about the last couple of years? I, I I agree with um, the adaptability um, that we're looking at. I'm sure that was pronounced properly. Um, <laughs> I can spell it. <laughs> um, I, I think that, you know, I've often referred in the last two years to um, the office equipment resellers in particular as, as kind of micro transformers, um, which sounds like a, 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 a toy, um, but um, they, they, they've successfully transformed during all kinds of um, different technological and political and geo um, changes that we've experienced right over the decades um so 
you, they're making little adjustments every single day. Um, and, and therefore, the, there's quite a resiliency that's been built up um, within their DNA, I think. Um, and I feel like, yes, we've been hammered right now, but um, I remember, I'm definitely old enough to remember 2008, 2009. Um, and this feels completely different. It, um, a lot of the pain that we're experiencing is really pretty temporary. I mean, and when I say temporary, I don't mean it's going to be gone in three months, but in a year, things are going to, every, you know, the full year from last year at this time <laughs> to this year at this time looks completely different. Uh, we've got all kinds of new issues, um, but but we've um, managed to um, mitigate a lot of the issues that we had in the previous year. So I, I think the next year at this time is going to look completely different as well. And, and in a way that provides a little bit of comfort because 2008, 2009 was um, a literal demand problem. People got laid off in masses and never returned to the workforce. And a lot of the people that got laid off in that period were, uh, were uh, men in their prime. Um, so we lost an entire layer of people from uh, of really men in the workforce from the ages of 40 to 55 that never went back to work. We lost them uh, forever, and that was a very painful um, time, and it took us this long to get over it. And then, of course, a global pandemic hit. Now the layoffs are, are different. They're affecting the women more, unfortunately, um, but they're also in different types of jobs. And we're seeing those people come back, albeit um, negotiating and leveraging their power um, to, to, to uh, work in some uh, wage increases and better um, uh, working conditions, right? So we're, we're seeing, it's a completely different situation. We're not having a demand problem right now. Um, we are definitely having a supply chain problem. <laughs> so yeah. um, that is more of a temporary issue. I know it feels like it isn't, but it is. So I think, you know, long-term we're looking pretty good. Um, I will say that the biggest battle I see on the landscape in the next 12 to 18 months is going to be that hybrid office battle. Um, it's the corporate, um, especially on the corporate level, um, how they get their employees back to work, those companies that want them back to work. And what are the employees going to do and how are they going to leverage their power? And, and what does that hybrid office look like? And I, I think that that's maybe the number, we, we have a list. Uh, you asked us to talk about a few topics that we see as important and uh, um, we, we have a list, but uh, the hybrid office is, is definitely one of the top items on there. Well, that's great, um, and I'm glad you bring that one up, right? And, and supply chain issues, for sure, you know, temporary, we will get through it. Um, I'm not sure if you saw the news in Canada and the Pacific Northwest uh, of the U.S. as well, where that atmospheric river, as they call it, ran through. <clears throat> Vancouver is literally cut off from the rest <coughs> of uh, the country right now. So there are no highways, there are no rail uh, access to get through, right? And talk about adding insult to injury, like, you know, a natural disaster to throw on top of everything for supply chain, you know, uh, yeah, yes. But, <laughs> but at any rate, what you say about this hybrid workforce, it is interesting having these conversations with people, right? So, you know, maybe Amy, you can talk a little bit more about that. What are you seeing with, you know, dealers, uh, OEMs, what kind of conversations are happening around, you know, what's coming for that? Well, you know, the funny thing is when I started thinking about this list of trends, I realized they were all going to tie together. Uh, once you can't really talk about one of these things and not talk about the other. And so when I start thinking about the hybrid office, 
security becomes a big issue with that because you've gone from these very perimeter-based firewalls and networks surrounding every asset they had to the work from home and everything that was thrown together. And now you're coming into the hybrid where you've got to really be looking at, um, you know, these tools and, 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 and software that, that's able to function anywhere and maintain that security that's necessary. So it's going to create a lot of opportunities and challenges for, for both dealers and their customers, because the dealers are also going to have to understand security for their own, um, you know, products and workforces. But it, so it's hard to talk hybrid without talking security, but then of course there's so much more to it too. It's become this, this mindset that some struggle with more than others. I, I think that there's, it was funny, I was actually just looking at a study when Patricia was talking about the um, how previously it was the older men who were struggling most with the recession. Not, all, not older, just a certain age group. <laughs> As someone who I think is in the age group you referred to, let's face yeah. it, we're not the kids anymore. But um, it really is at this point, it's it's the women in the workforce who are struggling more. It's the the ones who are adapting best to the hybrid workforce and all the demands right now are the male and the knowledge worker roles. Um, it becomes a problem for some other groups. But I, so there's a lot of pieces that are going to have to come together for that hybrid workforce to happen, but it's happening. I mean, we've seen, you know, the major tech companies are doing it, Dell, uh, Google, um, I think name name any big company and they're going towards that hybrid workforce. So it's it's there, it's happening, like it or not. And what do you think? Are are most dealers looking at saying, yes, we have to have some kind of hybrid uh, environment? Are they saying we just need to go back to the way things were? What's the what's the gut feel on that one? I, I think within the dealerships themselves, there's uh, a hybrid work environment on in many of them. It also is geographically dictated a little bit because the, the lockdowns and the close downs were different depending on where you lived in this vast country called the United States, right? So um, I, I, I've had the opportunity to be to quite a few dealer meetings uh, this year and actually even last year um, in person. <laughs> so they, you know, the, the experiences could be very different um, for someone that works in LA County versus uh, a dealer maybe in Ohio or, or somewhere in, in uh, or Texas or Florida, you know, it, it's been a, New York and that New Jersey and that corridor were very locked down, um, but other places in the United States were not. So um, I think it really depends on, on where they're located. Um, I think in general, though, that hybrid office is a very broad. Um, so are we talking one day a week on a Friday or are you talking you only come in once every three weeks? Um, you know that I, I think everybody has a def different definition of what a hybrid office is, and I think there's going to be a lot of strife um, around uh, what's acceptable to the employer and to the employee. And until those get very well defined, I mean, I don't envy the HR professionals right now because I think that and and along with vaccinations and testing and it, it's, it's very problematic. Still, and I, I think there's there's going to be a continuous battle for the next year or so. There will be employers who say we don't need you to come in that will change their minds, and there will be employers that say 
you need to come in that will change their minds. Um, and uh, it's going to end up being very colorful. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that, that you say that, that it's it's not going to be a, a clean experience, that it's, it's going to be like all great change where it's going to be messy before it gets better. Yeah. I think so. Wow. Amy, I think you had a point. <laughs> well, I was thinking about, though, I, I don't know, I feel like we're kind of doing the good cop, bad cop thing here, but I was thinking about the opportunities it presents, too, um, as I'm Pollyanna here, uh, with these, you know, these HR people uh, who are having to come up with new methods for onboarding employees. Yeah. And there's a lot of opportunity for workflow and software and, and those types of products. I mean, they exist. And a lot of organizations are learning how to do that and, and, and finding that it's actually not that hard. Now it's going to obviously be different depending on, you know, your industry and, and, and how large or small you are, but it's, it's certainly a, a product opportunity uh, when it comes to something that most offices are going to need now. So. Yeah, and there are incredible tools, and I will say, West. So the dealers are struggling with what's going on in their own houses, but I can tell you for sure that what they hope for is that everybody else goes back to the office. <laughs> Unfortunately, we know that's not what's going to happen, right? So there's going to be um, something in between, and and so the big question is how many um, will return to, especially the corporate environment. So uh, we'll see. Um, uh, but I know I know what they're living through and I also know what they're hoping for <laughs> so, yeah for the most part I know hope is such a wonderful thing right but uh it, it is funny the different opinions that you get and through the top 100 group that I lead um uh somebody who I really respect at Clover Imaging said hey you know the pages aren't all coming back right just right. just a heads up and not everyone's going to go back to the office and it's kind of interesting seeing these kind of frameworks that uh, some of these large organizations are you know setting up as well right so they may not you know, marry up in, entirely with the hope. And I will be the last person in the world to profess to understand which direction it's going to go, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's incredible, right? I've never felt so, you know, I always love making short-term predictions and I'm not even touching this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Amy, you mentioned something on the, the security side, right? It, it got me to thinking, you remember the days when we were just talking about letting people into the office with their own devices, right? I have yeah, not yeah. heard the expression BYOD, bring your own device in a long time, because it's it's kind of already been, you know, been there, done that, right? That they've learned how to secure things in as long as it's in the office. But now we have this complexity that you mentioned, which is taking it off network and putting it in this other network where, you know, in my household, I've got a son who's in university, he's doing classes online, right? Um, I've got a daughter who's in high school, she's doing other things. And then here I am doing a, you know, a live stream on my network and uh, sharing documents and everything else, right? So it really is getting complex. So Hopefully, is that one of the ones that was on your list is a little uh, deeper dive into what you what you see for security in the future? Oh, definitely. Um, zero trust is the biggest topic right now in security. And I think that's what everybody is going to have to get to because that's how you're going to manage all of these workers and devices that are all over the place is you've got to start um, centering security around the user rather than the device. and that's what zero trust does. I mean, security is the hot IT topic. It's almost not broken out anymore. You know, it used to be oh, cybersecurity is a one topic of conversation in the IT conversation. I think it's the conversation right now. And so many um, companies are providing solutions for that. I, I think another big one is employee education. 
because mm-hmm. it's not just a matter of having that automated um, uh, security and multi-factor authentication. You've got to make sure that your employees know what to look for. And that's why we're seeing companies that are doing in person or, you know, video, but like individualized training with these people to, to teach them, you know, what to look for in a phishing email. It was funny. I was reading about phishing emails and somebody said, you know, it's got to be, um, it's got to have a hook and it's got, it sounded like the exact description of writing a good marketing email is <laughs> writing a good right. phishing email. It's, true, uh, right? it's probably very similar. <laughs> so <laughs> you've got to make sure employees know what to look for as well. When they're in the office, out of the office, they're not necessarily monitored by that firewall anymore. Uh, and all of the software and tools can be in place, but you've got to make sure that they know what they're looking for as well. Yeah, this idea of, um, you know, sort of uh, that zero trust policy. I'm on an MSP group call that I do every Thursday and I love it. It's at three o'clock every Thursday, just like I did the T100 call every Wednesday, same time. And they're literally, they're bringing up these issues before sometimes the public even hears about them, right? So I'm feverishly writing notes. And I remember the first time that I heard about zero trust. And of course I had to say, (laughs) excuse my ignorance. Like, what does that mean? And when they explained to me, it was so simple, right? Like this idea that we have to take the approach where we don't trust anything anymore, right? Like that we're assuming everything is a risk. That's how we start. Um, I've noticed as well that on a lot of the applications that I interact with online, instead of passwords now, they're doing different things like sending me codes or if I, you know, forget a password instead of resetting it, sometimes they'll say, well, hold on. It's like multi-factor authorization, but even when you screw up and you're trying to just get help, you know, they do that now, <laughs> us, right? And uh, it's interesting seeing the landscape change. So I wonder, you know, um, with this zero trust thing, if passwords one day will even disappear, we can all hope, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think they are, they're going away. I mean, we're seeing Microsoft, for example, going towards a, um, a passwordless interface. I know they've done it on some of their, their personal products, and I think they've, they've implemented it in Active Directory and some of their um, enterprise products as well. Uh, passwords are going to be old fashioned before you know it. Yeah, it's something to watch, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So we've covered security and, and you guys said that you did uh, think of a few other things and, and I'm, I'm curious because we didn't actually share them. So what's another thing that you're looking at for the near term future in our space? Uh, well, we, as we were thinking about this list, we decided if there were five, uh, five points to discuss security, it's two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, that just emphasizes the importance of, uh, of, of security, right? In everything we're doing. Um, there, another thing that we're, is becoming more and more prevalent and maybe even prevalence, not exactly the right word. I, I'd say even utilize this business process automation in some form, right? So um, because of the changing environment and the fluidity of it, and the fact that people are working from anywhere and need access in that zero trust environment um, to their uh, files and and um, some of the traditional things that are an MFP would do, for instance, in scanning, copying, uh, sending folders in different directions. Uh, business process automation software has become very um, important in in the entire chain of of work. Uh, so uh, more and more, uh, we're we're seeing um, automation pieces being utilized, right? And it's not necessarily 
in its entirety, because you can, it's like they talk about eating the elephant, you know, you don't do it in one bite. Um, so um, picking the most paper rich environments and finding ways to automate in those areas uh, first, right? So you can do it in sections. And, and even when Amy was talking about HR professionals and onboarding new employees uh, and, and also compliance with different regulations, maybe COVID regulations with testing and vaccinations and things like that, um, having a um, digital uh, way to do all of that um, alleviates an enormous burden. Um, and especially when people aren't aren't physically in the office and all of this is being done uh, from remote locations. So uh, I think business process automation is just going to be a term that we hear more and more and more about in some form. It could be through the use of robotic process automation tools or other automation uh, sequences, but we're, we're going to hear it over and over and over again. And that was the uh, origin of Workflow Magazine, right? And that was a decade ago. Uh, yeah. And it, of course, this existed way before that, right? But we weren't talking about it, so. Well, and like you said, with the uh, introduction of your, you know, publication specifically for that, here we are today, and it's everything, right? It took way longer than we thought. Yeah. <laughs> We've been waiting 10 years. <laughs> Hello, flat rate, I know. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> Certain certain things just have to cook at the right temperature in their own time. It's like barbecue, right? Whenever you uh, go yeah. to some place for barbecue, they say, when's it going to be ready? Well, it's going to be ready when it's ready. So especially when you're really hungry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's great. And, and I love this uh, idea of business process automation and, and automation of any kind, right? That we're really starting to embrace that. Yeah. Um, I know that one of the other things that has come up in my uh, T100 calls is this idea that they're, people are having a real problem uh getting service techs back so a lot of them that were furloughed or whatever they're actually at that retirement age kind of the way you were talking about earlier oh. and they simply say no actually you know what i'm okay now i think i'm i got enough to be able to get through this and and to have fun and then on the younger side they can't get any people because they just don't think off equipment's cool right so this whole idea that there has to be some process automation for them as well to make up for these bodies that maybe just aren't coming back right so i don't know if that's in your list but for me, it was one of those things where I was like, wow, that's a huge uh, problem is this talent acquisition, you know, for things that have to get fixed and people may not want to fix them anymore. Right. So it's, you know, it's a topic at every dealer meeting now, of course. Right. So um, and I know you've had some conversations, Wes, with various professionals um, around that theme and, and they're true experts. Right. The people that you've been speaking with that are um, from a service perspective, know more about the industry than anybody I can even imagine. And you've spoken directly with them about this issue. So they also understand the depth of knowledge to be a good uh, service tech, um, the depth of experience and knowledge, you know, the more hands on experience you have with the, the, all kinds of different issues issues is is that catalog or that library that doesn't transfer that easily right um, that's part of the problem with these hands-on jobs uh, so and the age of these technicians um, in the you know early 60s and later even I mean I know there there are some you know in their early 70s actually that are still active and, and a lot of a lot of that group has retired um, uh, forcibly sometimes so um, 
because in the beginning, when we first kind of entered the COVID phase, um, there were companies furloughing people and, and then you don't know when you're coming back. So then you start looking at, you know, what does my life look like if I don't come back on the payroll actively, right? So um, there's migration from those uh, that has now, uh, with the uptick in demand, left a, a, a gaping hole. Um, they were already, it was one of the, our top five topics before the pandemic was hiring good people. That came up as one of the top five on every survey for the last, I don't know how many years. A lot of that attention was focused around sales. Um, it's always and still an issue, of course, but you know now um, we're sitting here and it's really the burning issue is service tax. So um, a part of it is the hands-on. I mean, one of the things I will say, you were talking about automation and, and, and using more of that, the video tutorials. Um, there's ways, I mean, I'm not talking about recruiting right now, but um, the, there's also ways to do that, obviously, but using, using automation tools. One of the things that uh, Amy and I, um, have been writing about quite a bit on the security topics is the um, influence of of AI now oh, yeah. in in helping ward off attacks in uh, cybersecurity. AI can uh, uh, thwart. Um, things on a scale that humans can't, right? So as long as um, there's a trust in the um, the algorithms and and the, the capabilities, uh, and the machine learning gets um, helps make those better and better, um, our, our capabilities um, just increase dramatically. So that that scale is is amazing, and and there may be. Um, you know, with predictive maintenance and some of these other um, technologies that are being integrated into a lot of the dealerships, uh, that's going to alleviate some of the burden. Obviously, not all of it, because we still need people. Um, and obviously, it's going to have to be um, younger recruits that um, you train, right? So then I think it's just a, a, a long, hard slog. Um, but it's a slog we all know. And it's uh, working very closely with universities and technical schools. Um, I, even you know, for some of these jobs, um, maybe getting into the high schools and where they once had auto mechanics, right, as, as one of the trade type things in the high schools. And I mean, I remember learning how to big brownies, you know, the guys went to the, I, that's how old I am, auto mechanics and the girls went to home ec. Um, uh, why not uh, office equipment repair? Um, HVAC, office equipment, you know, elevators, um, escalators, um, all of these types of things that are really quite comparable. Um, can we can we um, build out um, those kinds of apprenticeship programs? Uh, maybe uh, just it's a lot of work, um, but there's enough people in this channel, and the OEMs are large enough to be able to to want to support this as well. When you involve production print equipment, think how large that is. Um, not only size, um, but as um, you know, the billions and billions um, in in the production uh, print side of things. I mean, there's there's some power in that. That maybe that's uh, maybe that's an, an initiative that uh, needs needs to be developed um, and talked about more. You know, I like this idea of you know sort of inspiring people at a young age because it really is a mentorship task, right? It's uh, yeah. apprenticeship. You know, it's that kind of learning, right? And that does have to start at those those ages where we influence them. And uh, I'm definitely going to chew on that one more because that intrigues me. It's like, how do you get them yeah. interested in this? And like you said, versus, versus HVAC or whatever, like what kind of cool things can our industry, you know, start to do to entice them to bring them in there, right? And because I got to think too that, you know, is there a future where 
um, a technician that is, you know, really well versed on how to fix a certain type of output device, um, because now there's software involved and there's yes. networking and everything else, that if they can kind of get them excited by some of these other things that they might be able to do as those dealerships expand, right? I don't know. but No, I think so. I think when you start talking about um, technicians working hand in hand with basically robots um, uh, and so involving process automation and machine learning um, and preventative um, types of technologies. Right. Um, I think that's where it might get sexy again. Right. Um, and uh, that that could be um, Amy, you mentioned the hook before. Uh, that could be one of the hooks, right? Another mm -hmm. is obviously pay. Um, and there's, you know, there's. A, it's also a multi-factor <laughs> decision. So, well, that's pretty cool. That gave me a lot of a uh, lot of thinking points there. So, and it gets me excited. And I yeah. never thought I'd yeah. get excited by service technician stuff. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've covered uh, security in two ways. Uh, we did cover a little bit about hiring and retention. It seems like everything kind of circles back, uh, you know, to that. What else is on your minds? What are you seeing coming down the road? Well, so we talked about hybrid office also in business process automation. Uh, and Amy, you know what's next on the list, right? Uh, there's just one big trend, West. I, the, the bomb. There's no lists of trends. There's one giant trend, and everything is just lumped into it. Um, <laughs> stuff's happening. The <laughs> But one thing that we were discussing was the improved infrastructure. And of course, we've just had this huge infrastructure bill go through, which, by the way, included a ton of money for cybersecurity as well. So there you go again. Uh, but we've also, even ahead of that, we already have a huge, hugely improved infrastructure. That was one of the big conversations when we all started going remote last year was that we couldn't do it in 2008 because the infrastructure wasn't there. We didn't have the broadband or the technology or the bandwidth to be able to handle all of these video calls and all of the, the meetings and everything that, you know, the cloud infrastructure that needed to happen. Now we have all of that. And what that's doing, especially as it penetrates more and more the rural areas and, and places that didn't have that connectivity before, it opens up the, the worker base worldwide in several ways, because not only do you have the ability to hire workers from anywhere in the country, and these workers at the same time have the ability to get jobs outside of their geographical areas that may have limited opportunities, limited pay, you also have the opportunity to train knowledge workers. And again, this gets back to what we were talking with the service technicians. Um, there's more learning abilities, more online learning opportunities. Uh, for them to go and get certified in things. And, and again, uh, college itself, university educations, have the, the view of that has changed. And we are getting, especially in the IT world, I think, yeah. much more towards specialized certifications being what matters. So when you can get somebody the opportunity to, to go to CompTSA and, and, and take you know, training courses and get certified in things, get the Cisco certifications, um, You've then you've got employees that are educated and trained and capable of working from anywhere. You've opened up a whole world for both the employer and the employee. It's interesting what you say about, you know, the tools not being available before. Right. And I've been working remotely for 20 years, even here at the lake. I've lived here for 13 years. When I first moved out here, it was really spotty satellite Internet. And then they came out with a 4G thing I put on my roof that shot over to a tower you know, at another, you know, part of the mainland down the shore. Uh, 
And then finally, here we are today and we've got Bell 5 and it's like literally the fastest internet I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. And that all happened within that time frame, right? So just imagine what's happening in, in urban centers where, you know, things are accelerating much more quickly, right? This bill is, uh, you know, the point is it's not supposed to just be the urban centers within the United States, right? So the, the, the whole point is that we're going to be able to get into those other areas and give um, people living in, in, you know, more rural areas the same opportunity to be able to work from, you know, be a knowledge worker and contribute. Uh, and I think that is going to loosen things up a little bit with the tight labor pool, first of all, right? Um, but think about infrastructure. I mean, yes, um, you know, f- f- uh, really fast networks works with the broadband, but even just improving the roads and the bridges. And we're having, you know, we're, we're having a supply chain problem right now, right? Uh, so any improvements are going to be uh, really fantastic. Air freight, you know, if we can get those airports uh, beefed up a little bit, uh, it, it is, you know, uh, th- there are parts of America that don't look first world right now, unfortunately. And and uh, these this this infrastructure um, bill is really going to be transformational and, and beefing up um, of w- what we have available to us. It's going to help business overall. That's going to help our industry and our channel. Um, if we can transport things easily, the airports are working. If people have broadband. You can, you know, you can hire somebody in in, in rural Utah. Um, that you know, there's. Our, think about the uh, technological skills that are in the area of Salt Lake City, right? I mean, there are people, but the, we can expand that out now. So, um, you know, this is going to make a huge difference. Now, of course, this all takes time. So and and maybe that um, the Build Back Better um, uh, bill that's um, being uh, looked at. I know those are more of the soft skill type stuff, but there's childcare in there. More women can come back uh, and work. And, and maybe I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. But, you know, is there a provision in there for apprenticeships and funding for that kind of thing that we're discussing? Um, all of those things are really important to us being able to not only recover, but um, build back better um, to, um, to, you know, improve on what we have. I mean, Canada's um, in a, a slightly different situation. I mean, you've had, I don't have the broadband that you have and I live in Las Vegas. So um, you're on a lake somewhere up north, right? <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, I'd like to have your broadband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like to have it too. I mean, it took a long time, right? But again, yeah, it, it really is like we don't think of it as infrastructure, but it absolutely yeah. is, right? Like for mm-hmm. me to get my job done, it is such a strong part of the infrastructure. Education for, you know, kids living in small areas, uh, being able to access things the same way people do in cities and stuff. Yeah, that's a big deal, right? It is a big deal. So let's see if we can make that happen. I think that'll help some things. I mean, obviously, there's um, this isn't meant to be a political discussion, right? It's just what's in those bills. I mean, obviously, there's the taxes on the other side and all that stuff. But um, it, it would be, I think, to, to alleviate some of the burdens that we're discussing. Um, uh, this uh, is going to be transformational for the United States. So and that has to be a good thing. Absolutely. And I love that. Uh... We always learn great lessons when times are hard. And I think this pandemic shown us that we need better infrastructure internally, right? Because we're probably going to see a lot less of the, the global supply chain stuff and maybe more stuff happening 
you know, within the border, right? So, I hope so. I, yeah. I really, I really hope that uh, there's some kind of a renaissance, really, in um, a local, as in, let's just say, uh, North America. Um, uh, you know, uh, doing a lot more of it at home. I mean, that we it did. Uh, the pandemic really did uh, put a big fat spotlight on um, some of the weaknesses in the supply chain, which are um, around not producing enough of of what you need to get through certain periods of time when there are difficulties, right? So um, trying to fly everything in from Southeast Asia when they're going through their own global pandemic, right. um, it, it really complicates things in emergencies. So there, there's probably a, a different way we can do things going forward that's going to ma make us less weak in that way. Um, so I agree. And that's very exciting. And, and listen, in respect for your time, um, you know, what else is on the list? Because we do only have a few more minutes left together. What's sort of your final thoughts on, you know, what we should be looking for in the road ahead? I think expect the unexpected and be prepared for it. And print, print can be sexy. Printers can be sexy. I think that's an important <laughs> lesson, important takeaway here. I love it. So we're ex continue to uh, expect the unexpected, right? That, you know, whatever this thing is that we're becoming, we're, we're certainly, I, I feel anyway, still just on the beginning of that journey, right? And how about you, Patricia? I actually see a lot of strength out there. Um, so I really like what 2022 is starting to look like. Um, I see a lot of money being spent um, uh, and that uh, is being spent on things that are going to um, be pretty powerful. So um, I think there's some good times ahead uh, for this channel uh, in our industry. And um, I know it's hard right now, but uh, it's been hard before. Uh, and I, I think we're shaping up to look pretty good. Uh, and hopefully there's I, I just hope that that spirit of of cooperation and and helping each other out that I've seen going on with the dealers, um, you know, with, especially with the supply chain. And if someone had, you know, these informal exchanges that have, have kind of developed um, between uh, different groups of dealers, um, how people are supporting each other and helping each other out. Um, I, I hope that continues because I really love that. And it's been really powerful and it's helped it's helped people stay in the game until we can get through this. And, and it, if we can continue that with the spending that I see flowing in, I mean, some really solid business spending going on in, uh, in at least the first half of 2022 um, is a very good indicator that things don't look so bad. So I'm pretty excited. Well, I'm with you. I'm very excited as well. And uh, I believe in this channel. And like you said, we're very blessed to be in a channel where a lot of people really do come together yeah. uh, to lift each other up and help each other when they need it. And, uh, and that's a great place to be. So cannot thank you both enough. Uh, speaking of lifting up and giving us knowledge uh, for being on on the show today. So Patricia and Amy, thank you uh, so very much. Thank you for having us. It was great. And to all of our viewers out there in Tiger Paw land, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you're watching the program, hope you enjoyed it. If you're listening in as well, and don't forget to visit tigerpaw.com and the resources page for more great learning. And until next time, keep learning. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more great learning content to help you grow your business, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com and click on the resources tab. You can also subscribe through your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.